Um, all right, so uh, we are back with East Coast Lifestyles. Today I'm chatting with Clifton Cremo. Yeah. He is a um, wonderful um, East Coast comedian. He's currently in the middle of his Big Red Man tour. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's so the, cool. More towards the end than the middle, I guess. I'm hoping to extend it uh, like throughout the summer. Yeah. Um, but the initial plan was basically eight to ten dates um, ending in Sydney on the April 14th. And now I've got one more show between now and then. Oh, awesome. That's so cool. Like, um, like the, the background of the podcast, I... I'll kind of fill you in a little bit is chatting with East Coast comedians, um, my backgrounds in acting and improv, done a little bit of improv, sketch comedy, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Didn't actually do any stand-up until I got to PEI, I moved from Vancouver, and kind of one of the local comedians, Tanya Nicole, I don't know if you've met her yet, she... she, um, kind of convinced me he's like hey you got to get up try an open mic do the started doing it and fell in love with it and then just from being at open mics and like getting up on stage I started meeting comedians and they were just like the nicest kindest welcoming people and I was like there is something special about the east coast comedy scene right now and I feel like it's like blossoming. Like they're they're from the many people I've talked to, it was like there was nothing going on, especially on PEI for a long time. Yeah. And now, like you can't throw a stone and not hit a comedy show or something, right? Yeah. And and when I saw your um, show, I'm like, fuck, that's that is sick. Like. So, how long have you been in the the business for? Since November 2018, so not very long at all. Four years and so many months. Oh, that's amazing! So, just like the fact that you've only been in for like like just under five years and you're already like touring, is like super cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of a whirlwind, I guess. Yeah. It, it, you know, some people some people are in the game for years and years, and they 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 never uh, break through to touring. Some like, and, and it's sometimes it's a question of are they taking it less seriously? Like, right. I, I know I know plenty of people who like kind of do it as a hobby. Yeah, like their 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 parents they they've got they've got lives that they have to sit down and 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 be a part of, so they can't really dedicate in a, as much time as you need. Yeah, yeah. To kind of break through the next level. Um. Yeah, and then there are other people like like me, I guess, who it just going kind of, full it's, hog. It's become my life. Yeah. So. Yeah, there there there's a whole bunch of different different levels to it, and everyone moves at their own pace, and I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Just the idea that like, you know, some people do it for less time than than me, and then yeah. they're they're getting great opportunities. Some people have been doing it for much longer. And they're getting great opportunities, and, and like, just to 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 kind of know that um, it's it's actually very encouraging a thought to mm-hmm. to know that there is no standard pace. Like yeah, like 
you know, you, you can get into comedy in your 50s and Absolutely. still do well. There was, I was at the open mic in town the other day and there was this nurse in her, I, I don't want to assume her age, but she was a little bit older and her first time ever doing stand-up got up in front of like a pretty much a full room and killed like murdered it was like she was like better than like the regular comedians who were like doing it all the time and she just absolutely destroyed came back the next week and i'm like all right here's the other shoe's gonna fall and she's gonna get her like silence or whatever got up again a completely new set and killed again (laughs) i'm like fuck that is amazing yeah yeah I guess that's kind, and that's the the nice thing about, I guess, stand-up compared to other creative endeavors and other comedy as well, is that you can kind of dictate yourself how hard you go into it. Yeah, you can, for, for sure. Um, I've never done, like, the other endeavors. Like, I've, I, I, took, I did improv, like, camp when I was a kid. Yeah. But, I like, as an adult, I haven't done improv um, as much as I would like to. Like, I, I feel like it could be, like, a great uh, exercise, at least, for... Absolutely. It, it would help me with my writing and stuff. Yeah. Um, well, it's... Ah, sorry to cut you off, but... Yeah, it's, it's great to... Skill to have to apply to stand-up, I think, when you're up there and something throws you somebody in the crowd says something something kind of catches your eye and you lose your train of thought to be able to just pick up and go with something yeah it's cool yeah i'd say that that's honestly the weakest part of my my stand-up game is is uh like crowd work and like improv and stuff and not that it's like miserable but like i definitely wouldn't I would never write a set and be like, okay, I'm going to do like 10 minutes of crowd work in yeah. first. And it's like, no. <laughs> I tried that one time and it did not go well. <laughs> like, all right, this is my crowd work piece of my bit. And I usually, I, I've noticed when people who do crowd work, they kind of have bits that lead them into it mm-hmm. or they have a way of involving the audience without it getting completely derailed. Yeah. I I didn't have that and absolutely got derailed. I happened to pick a guy out of the audience who really didn't want to get talked to and was like quiet one-word answers. And I'm like, well, fuck, I can't do anything with this. And all right, I guess I'm back to my act. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's the danger of it, really. Yeah. Um, because, like, if you're, if you're like, okay, I'm going to ask what he does for a living, and I, I hope he says something that I have a joke about. Yeah, uh, yeah. If, if he doesn't, you either have to you have to either come up with a joke or abandon ship immediately. Yeah. You like, you can't be like, oh, the stock market, what what is that all about? And then, like, then you're just actually in an actual conversation. And yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, maybe there's, like, a good way to kind of introduce that and just have a conversation i mean that's what we're doing right now yeah and hopefully people watch it for like the entire time but um yeah i don't know there's like sean hogan who opened for you or yeah. hosted for you the other night um he's really good at crowd work yeah he's he's one of those guys uh who is really good at being himself on yeah stage uh 
uh, I, I was talking to him about this before the show actually and he asked like how much time do you want me to do and I was like do kind of like whatever you want yeah and he was like I was like someone else is, wants to practice their like seven minutes so they'll do seven minutes but you do whatever and he's like yeah I don't want to practice my seven minutes because I want to do like it works better that when I'm just being me and yeah. I can just flow with it and yeah that that's certainly not me. I don't yeah. think, but. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm worried. It's like a work in progress. I, I don't know. Like I, I feel like I can see the, that glass ceiling and on the other side of it's the, that kind of ease and comfort. And I'm like, all right, I just got to reach it and then figure out a way to break through that glass ceiling. Um, so how, I guess, now that you're what would what's the i guess stages that you've kind of noticed coming this far as far as you've gotten right because like in my mind i only have so much of a perspective i'm i'm a open micer i've done a handful of of nights um in pei we only have really one open mic night so Mm -hmm at most you can do one one time a week right so i i see it as okay you you start open mic you do a couple things you kind of get a little bit of a you get a 5 minutes you get a 7 minutes you get 10 minutes under your belt you refine it and then you work on it and then okay maybe somebody you've met is doing a show and they ask you to open for them or something is that kind of been your experience? Yeah, yeah. So like, I'm not from a big place either. Like, we we had one open mic, like we had one weekly open mic in Cape Breton. Yeah. Um. So that's like how I started. It was at a weekly open mic, and um, it, now we don't even have that anymore. Like, oh, <laughs> well. COVID kind of killed that, and it, we just haven't been able to bring it back. And it's because our scene is so 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 small. Yeah. That they're like. You know that there would be nights where it'd be three of us showing up to the open mic, and that's not an open mic. That's like a show. That's okay. like a you know like if yep. there's three people there and everyone's doing five minutes, you're doing fifteen minutes. So it's, everyone has to do longer. Yeah. Because there's so few of us, and then you know if if two people are doing twenty minutes and one's doing thirty. Yeah. Then you're just kind of really doing a show, but like, um, yeah, starting out it was the weekly open mic, and there wasn't much guidance for me like there were there were definitely people in the scene who had been doing it but like i said there were like kind of more hobbyists right. and people who do it for fun um no one that really took it seriously and um no one ever gave me the advice to work on your solid five minutes oh, oh no so were you just like new stuff every time yeah or? so like every week i was doing like a new five minutes when i started out and like that was always my goal write a new set mm-hmm. write a new five minute set for the open mic yeah and that's what I did so quickly yeah I developed a, a, a lot of material yeah not much of it good but like <laughs> then people would be like oh how long can you do and I'm like I could do half an hour easy because yeah. I, I've done 10 sets at five minutes so that's 50 right. minutes yeah so you got you got an hour and you've only been doing it for a couple months yeah but not, none of it's very good and, and like 
the other thing is because you don't practice when you're doing that like because you're not working on the same jokes it's tougher to remember them you have to write them out more fully if you want to remember them it's tough to build a good set order yeah Um, like there are a lot of when you when you write your own material and stuff like that you you're you're gonna tend to fall into these little categories like where it's easy to step on your own bits right like i i in in my show uh, i'll just like i don't know spoil my show well because... come to come to see his show he's still got a few more dates coming and going into the summer so this is the teaser yeah yeah but like in, in my show uh a lot a lot of the material in the beginning i talk about like uh kind of being single or whatever yeah. and like getting on tinder and and doing that kind of stuff yeah. i'm in a relationship mm-hmm. right so like if i talked about being in a relationship first yeah the single material doesn't work right you cut it yourself wor- off it works the opposite it kind of works the opposite way yeah because you're feeding them the information they need to know as they need to know it so like if you don't understand that aspect of it a lot of your material is going to fall flat because you stepped on it earlier I guess. Right. Well, I mean, I guess it kind of comes into like being, you're building a world, you're building an overall story. Each yeah. joke can stand on its own. Each, each segment of your act can stand on its own, but I guess ideally you want it to kind of over arc into beginning, middle and end of what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And you want people to be able to piece things together with logic, but also uh, if there's something that you don't want them to piece together, you don't feed them the information that lets them get there. Right. Um, so you can like sneak it in around the back. After. Yeah, yeah. And it helps the punchline. Um, but yeah, that. So no one ever told like my advice to new comedians now is always like work on getting a solid seven minutes, like a, yeah. a, a solid seven minute showcase set. Like, don't worry about writing a shit ton of material in your first year because. What are you going to do with that in your first year? Like no, like yeah. If you if you build an hour in your first year, even if it's a good hour, yeah. Like a a, a comedy club isn't going to book you as a headliner because right. you're still only a year in. Right. So like it'd be better to knock their socks off with a good seven, <laughs> and then they'll bring you back anytime they need seven. Yeah, kind of thing. That's a good yeah. So it's almost like you know. Yeah, go ahead, build your hour, but then, f- like, take all the best bits out of that and just file it into a seven or even like a a ten. You can break up into two fives or something. Yeah, exactly. Like that and have it be like really strong. Yeah. Do you do you remember kind of when when the click started to happen for you, like? you're you go you're going up you're doing like a new five every time you're trying shit out and then was there a moment where it just kind of like oh okay i'm i'm actually pretty good at this okay i got and and then like okay i can actually start doing this um i don't know if there was a moment uh so like i said there, there was a small group of people in sydney who were doing it um all of us are friends. We're, we're all very encouraged. Like, they were all very encouraging to me. Yeah. Um, and I, I love them all. Uh, they were all very encouraging me to me from the get-go. Like, from my first night, they were like, 
that was amazing. That was your first time. That's a that's something I've noticed in the East Coast. That's not really the same in bigger cities, like in Vancouver, in Toronto, New York. I don't think you're getting necessarily the same community, mm-hmm. right? The same. Uh, it seems very like cutthroat. Yeah. a little bit, right? Yeah, um, and that that's gonna happen anywhere. Like you, you'll you'll hear about even like in smaller scenes, like you'll hear about different comics having beef with each other and it's like it's like counterintuitive to the whole identity of a small scene where it's like oh well you can't do any of the shows that i'm booking because i don't like you and i'm not going to do any of the shows that you're booking because i don't like you yeah but we're the only two people booking shows in this scene and now i don't want to book people who work with you and it's like oh toxic get over it yeah get over it like you're only going to grow once you once you're over that, once everyone can work together, because um, if if you develop a following of, of of fans or whatever in in a scene where it's like, oh, I, we have we have customers actually coming to the show. We sell out the show every week. Yeah. Um, and there's another show that and nobody's going to it. Why not share the crowd? Like, yeah. If you're sold out, start directing customers to the other show. <laughs> Be like, Absolutely. hey, we're sold out this week. You can come next week, but in the meantime, go check out this show. Yeah, it it only helps to feed the scene. Yeah, and I, I've definitely noticed in like, um, I, in in Nova Scotia especially, we when I first started, I'd say I, I mean I wasn't very in tune with the Halifax scene yet because I was still just in Cape Breton. Um, but what little I did see of the Halifax scene, there was a decent bit of like squabbling and stuff. Yeah, and and it feels like we've outgrown that, and no, that's yeah. that's really great. And I, I feel like, not to uh, talk crap on other scenes, yeah, but maybe uh, certain provinces that surround Nova Scotia, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are still having those growing pains. Yeah, um, and it like, it's going to be so good for them. Because there are some fantastic comics in all of these scenes, yeah, it's going to be so good for them once they do get out of that phase. And I, I do think it's just a phase. Honestly. Yeah, like e- everyone grows with experience, um, and gets better. Like one thing that I've been saying to people uh, that I think really helped us in Nova Scotia was COVID. Honestly, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> um, like in the Maritimes, we had the Atlantic bubble, mm-hmm. right? So like. We weren't as completely shut down as the rest of the country. Yeah, yeah, we could interact with ourselves. Yeah, we could interact with ourselves. Like we could still do like patio shows and like, uh, like we were able to actually get out. Like places were still kind of open. Yeah. Um, as long as you did like this social distancing stuff and wearing masks and all that. Um, but we were able to actually practice while a fair large chunk of the country wasn't. Uh, so that helped us grow. And because of that, like particularly in Nova Scotia, I feel like, like um, this hour is twenty-two minutes. They moved their production, like basically entirely to Halifax, mm-hmm. so that they could actually film stuff and, and and do things. And that gave us like an influx of like professionals, right? Um, and a lot of people for the younger people in the scene, like myself, to look up to, right? And yeah. to be able to see oh this is what a professional comic does like to be able to go to shows this is what they're like learn from them and talk to them and get that like and like like you mentioned earlier like everyone's so nice yeah in, in comedy 
um, so like they're definitely willing to share their experiences they're definitely willing to help you out early on and uh, I, I think that really helped us and I, I, I'd love to see that everywhere <laughs> I, I know well I now that because you took this this tour pretty much across the country right yeah yeah it was in I mean it, it makes it sound a lot grander than it really was I did shows in Ottawa and I did shows in BC well, I mean, those are I the skipped, places. I skipped the worst ones. Of course. <laughs> Doesn't everybody? <laughs> um, well, I mean, yeah. Did you did you notice? Well, I guess playing, going from playing, I guess, the East Coast, doing the bubble, um, you know, Cape Breton, Halifax, PEI. What, what were the big changes going over going westward um i wouldn't say that there were any big changes uh like the the thing that allowed me to go westward is mm -hmm. having worked with people here uh, okay so people that were touring here um like when i went to Kelowna, my my one of, he's one of my best friends matt baker yeah uh he he lived in nova scotia for about two years uh doing comedy and stuff before he moved back to Kelowna. um so like we became really good friends here, yeah. And then I was like, "Hey, I'm going to come to Kelowna uh, to visit, and we can do shows while I'm there." And then it's like getting two two birds stoned at once, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because um, that was like my next question was, how do you what like do you just call up a comedy? Do you Google comedy clubs? Call them up and say, "Hey, can I do a spot?" Or uh, kind of. <laughs> Kind of sometimes. Uh, okay. So like I I did uh, absolute comedy. It's one of some comics call it the the hottest room in the country, right? And okay. It's it incredibly fun crowd. Uh, it's in Ottawa. Um, I I just cold emailed their like info at or whatever. Yeah. Uh, email and I was like, hey, I'm a comic. Uh, here's my bio. Here's blah blah blah. Um, I was looking, I was hoping to do like a middle set at, at the club because like they're obviously not going to book you as a headliner if they've never seen you before and stuff. I was like, I'd like to do a, a middle set and then he, he got back to me right away and he was like, have you worked with anyone that I've worked with? Can, can they vouch for you? Right. Like, credits are all fine and dandy, but like, do, do you know anyone I've worked with? So I right. got, I got a friend that had done shows here who regularly headlines at absolute and he was like yeah book this guy oh that's um, sick so it, like i being from a smaller place does have its advantages in that uh you're the go-to opener yeah yeah coming through <laughs> right that's that's smart and like i that's kind of been my kind of mindset in in almost like everything i've done is like if the opportunities aren't going to present themselves to you go get them like create your own opportunities and like when I was in high school I was doing a um, like a mockumentary um, kind of like this is Spinal Tap thing as a school project mm -hmm. and I, I just like cold called the Rock 101 Vancouver Rock Station and was like, hey, can I come interview your DJs 
to about this fake band I made up for my school project. And they're like, yeah, sure. Come on. So I like went into their, into the, like, the headquarters. We did like a, a full on like fake interview about this fake band. And I was like 16 at the time or something. Really cool of them to like humor me. But I find like 90% of the time, if you just ask, most people are cool to help you out or, or just want to do things. Yeah, and, and even if it's a no, uh, oftentimes they're going to tell you how to get there. Yeah, totally. But like if, if a comedy club was like, hey, sorry, I, I don't, I've never met you. I, I, don't put, I wouldn't put you as a full middle, yeah. but I would give you a guest spot if you were in town kind of thing. Yeah. Start there. Why not, right? Absolutely. It, like, uh, most people are going to, like, if they're, like, if it's a radio station and you're interviewing their DJs or whatever, mm-hmm. they might not be like, uh, yeah, sure, come in and interview. All. They might just be like, well, we don't have time in the studio, but here's how to contact our DJs individually. Yeah, totally. It, something like that, right? Totally. Um, mo- most people are going to be really cool. Even if the answer is no, they're going to, to give you some tips. And yeah. The other the other option is you just never hear from them. <laughs> or and and I mean you can't that's like the one caveat. You can't let yourself be hung up on that. Yeah. You like shoot out a hundred of these like cold calls and maybe a couple get back to you, but it costs you nothing and the opportunity's worth the most. Yeah. Like even like that's how I met you. That's how we came to like do this podcast i saw your ad for the for your show downtown reached out as like hey i do this podcast do you want to come chat for a bit and you're like yeah sure yeah and and then i came out and saw your show and now i like have like a whole new person i know it's like <laughs> yeah, exactly. sick um yeah and especially especially comics our time is worth nothing <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> In five-minute increments, it might be worth a couple bucks. Yeah, yeah. If you if you want me for more than fifteen, yeah, then that's that's, that's the money. But I put ten ten years into that fifteen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how did um? Because you've done the the Halifax comedy Halifax Comedy Fest. Yeah. How did that happen? Okay, so here's here's our here's the story. I I suppose. Um, I was still just kind of open mic level. Yeah. Um, I, I, I say, like, as if it's a level. It's not really a level. It's just, like, what I had only done. That yeah, my, sure. That was my experience. Yeah. Uh, you know, a few shows had rolled through Sydney, and they're like, oh, get Clifton to open for you because he's there uh, kind of thing, um, which was fine. I did a show because I, I also produce shows. Like I said, there's not much in Sydney. Yeah. So, like, any shows that I do, it's kind of usually me organizing them. Okay. Um, So, I was doing a show, and this was kind of after the open mic that I talked about, the weekly open mic had kind of died down. Uh, We're a really small place in Sydney. There's there's not many people. There's not much a market. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is a market, like, if you're a name, but, like, for an independently produced show, if... If I was to hold a weekly myself, yeah, it wouldn't make any money right. at all. Like, it, people that come the first time might come the second time, but the third time, 
you know, they're like, I've already seen this guy, this guy, this guy. So I was bringing in people from Halifax that people in Sydney hadn't seen before. Yeah. A lot of my friends that I've worked with, uh, some, some great people. Um, so I was putting together a show in Cape Breton and I had my buddy Sam Bartle, who just uh, actually won the Hubcap Open Mic Contest. Oh, sick. Um, at Hubcap Comedy Festival. Congratulations. Um, yeah, congrats, Sam. And I, he was coming down to, to headline one of the shows that I was producing and I was hosting it and I had a friend there who worked for the paper, yeah. for the newspaper. And I did a couple of jokes uh, that you would have heard that were about my you know indigenous heritage sure and this was very early on in those jokes career like now, yep. they're, now they're kind of a dead horse but <laughs> like this was very early on when when the topics were still relevant mm-hmm. and everything uh and she asked me she was like can i write an article about your set and i was like yeah sure and she was like can we do an interview so she interviewed me and she put cool. she put an article in the paper yeah and i guess the halifax comedy fest bookers saw the article yeah um so they reached out to me and they were like, hey, uh, do you have any footage, uh, any any clips that we could look at? And I was like, I don't, but I can get you one. Yeah. Uh, so I, the next set I did, I was opening for Matt Wright. Okay. Who uh, is a two-time Juno loser. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Matt. Yeah, he's, uh, but he's fantastic. He's from Newfoundland. He's, he's hilarious. He's done everything in the book just yeah. laughs all of it um, amazing so he was in he was in Cape Breton I was opening for him so I filmed my set and it went well it was a good set um, so I, I clipped 10 minutes out of it sent it to Halifax Comedy Fest and they were just like perfect that's what we wanted um, you're in sick and I was yeah it, so it just it just came to me it just like plopped itself on its it Having a friend who was a journalist who yeah. <laughs> wrote an article helped. It, um, it, no, that's like it's it's funny how things things will happen if you open yourself to the opportunity for them to happen. Mm-hmm. Like like my my um, day job is an acupuncturist, and so like I. I, I moved to, to PEI, opened my professional practice, and I wasn't getting a lot of clients, patients coming in, and I reached out to a, a PEI Living Magazine, shout out, and asked if I they could do an article on me, and they were like, yeah, that's not how magazines work, everything's an ad. <laughs> pay us um and I'm like oh well i'm not the whole point of this is to get more people i'm not making any money i can't pay you so they were like okay well if you write your own article we're trying to expand our health and wellness section throw that out there then we'll um we'll publish that so i i wrote my own article about my own clinic from like a third person perspective and they, I got published in, in a magazine. And through that, somebody came to me for treatment who happened to work at this really 
amazing clinic. It's a multidisciplinary. It's called Serene View Ranch. Shout out. They do a lot of work with um, military veterans, RCMP, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They do um, like psychological services, um, psychologists, um, social workers, that kind of thing. But they do equine therapy, um, work with horses. Uh, they acupuncture now, occupational therapy, a lot of like tech, like um, clay work, um, pottery, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and then through that client I got from the article, they were like, hey, you're pretty good at this. Do you want to see about working there? They want to bring on a, some like body workers. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So then I met them and it's been like immediately they were like yeah you're hired and um it's actually really cool this place we just got a grant from veterans affairs and we're developing this entire program specifically like geared towards indigenous veterans and female indigenous veterans um specifically to like provide funding to get these people more like services that had been kind of like left behind or left in the dust. And we're like, okay, let's specifically tailor some services to this community and um, try to, to bring them in. And there's all kind of, not all of that happened because of me, but <laughs> um, my part definitely happened because I reached out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cool. It, um... Yeah, create opportunities and accept them. Uh, yeah, but on, on the flip side, you should only accept things that you're uh, capable of doing, for sure. True. Yeah. Like, if literally, I don't know. If when I was, you know, three months into comedy, and say, <laughs> like, hey, do you want to headline um, Halifax Comedy Fest? Yeah, yeah, or 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 like you know. Uh, Bill Burr was in town and was like, can you open, can you do 30 minutes opening for me? And like, yeah. I, of course I want to say yes, because of course, when, when is this going to happen ever again? Yeah. But at the same time, if you say yes and it goes awful, it's never going to happen again. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, you oftentimes only get one shot at a first impression, right? Yeah. That like, I was listening to, to, um, I think it was Tom Segura talking about um, like early early career stand-ups asking him advice and stuff and them saying, hey, I've, I've filmed every set I've done, I've posted it online from like my first open mic to now and he was like, um, don't do that <laughs> because your early stuff is obviously going to be shit Mm -hmm. do like wait until you're good enough to actually you only get one first impression from people on the internet and then it's on there forever right so when did you did you have like a thought like that like okay i'm i'm good enough to start filming myself start I still like it's it's good practice to record your sets like that's what everyone says is record yourself uh, and then watch it back after your shows. Like it, it's a good way to learn what to improve on, like to to 
be able to be more objective about where the laugh was because sometimes you're on stage and a laugh can feel really good and then you're watching the tape and it wasn't that good it was like you know two people were laughing yeah yeah and you're like oh it sounded good on stage because two people were laughing pretty loud but then when you realize it was two people out of 30 right maybe it wasn't that good um so people are always telling saying that you should record yourself watch it back and it'll help with performance bits too if it's like oh like you i noticed that you all like i always scratch my nose when i when i get nervous or whatever it's able for you to it's a way for you to pick up on things like that so you can get rid of them like be more conscious about what you're doing on stage i still don't do it i don't yeah (laughs) like it I'm kind of over it now, but there was a point where when when I would record myself, like, okay, I want to try to get this as a clip uh, to post online or get this as a clip to submit to a festival. The nerves of knowing that I'm recording myself to do something with it uh, would get to my head. Um, I'm over that, thanks, thankfully. But, like, uh, it would result in just an objectively worse show anytime I recorded myself, so I just stopped doing it. Yeah. Um, And it's... It, it kind of hurts, but like, yeah, I, I definitely record yourself. I've always been of the mind, I don't post many things online, many clips. Um, yeah. And there's this whole idea of, you don't, it's people don't like posting clips because you don't want to burn material on your right. audience, right? Like, you don't want to ruin your joke or whatever. So you'll see a lot of comics posting crowd work clips because those are unique interactions to the show. Yeah. And it's not going to happen again. So it's, uh, it's a good way to post things online, let people know you're funny, but also it doesn't burn your act. And I think that's that's definitely a way to go about it. Um, but I, yeah, I've just never really thought about posting things online simply for that reason where it's like, uh, especially when you're working on getting a tight yeah. uh, set where it's like, like right now I'm doing close to an hour on my tour and it's, like if if i posted any of those things if i posted anything i think is worth posting mm-hmm. it is kind of biting into what you're doing on what i'm stage. doing in the set yeah right like and if i post a throwaway joke it's like a like if it's a joke that i have done but it's not that great so i don't do it anymore um the quality of content that i'm putting online there is saying like like the bar is only this high right he thinks this is good enough to post online when real in in reality it's me thinking it's bad enough to post online that's a sticky spot to be in mentally i guess do i i've noticed um or rather like i've heard some comedian and maybe this is just like the nature of them being like like A-level celebrity comedians, but they'll say like people kind of fall in love with a bit or or a joke and they almost want to hear it like a song. Yeah. Right? Like, is there something to be said in like putting good material out there, having people like that's funny I want to hear it again and again and then coming to your act to see to hear it live I, I think there there is something in that 
I don't. I think you can't put the entire thing in. in I think you like if there's a if there's a joke that you think is going to work uh, when you're at a certain level, like like if if you're recording Netflix specials, yeah, people are going to want to hear the hits because yeah. they saw it on the Netflix special. Uh, it's a it's a different thing between a Netflix special or a CBC special or a Crave special or something like that than it is for just straight up YouTube where it's like, right? Hey, I saw your ad on Facebook. I clicked it, went to your YouTube channel to see who see if you're any good. And I saw this joke, and then they go to the show, and it's like the same joke. Um, yeah. And it's like, what else do you have, bud? Like, right, right. Uh, is it is this all you got? And then like. Like I, I do the joke, um, the the lobster joke that I did. Yeah. Like I I had that posted online for a while, um, it didn't like go viral or anything, but it, I I had it posted online, got a got a like few hundred views or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of the joke that that like put me in the spotlight. I guess it was like that was the joke that I wrote, and that's the reason that my friend wrote the article and yeah yeah kind of the reason Halifax Comedy Fest reached out um yeah it was like I had that bit and if I posted it online now I would only post the first part and I'd leave kind of the main punch out of it yeah like I'd, I'd put post the initial punch so that people are like oh that's funny that's a yeah. funny bit and then when they come there's more to it give them what yeah. make them want to see more yeah almost like a trailer yeah 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 that's that's smart like I yeah it's marketing you have to kind i mean i i, I think we, we mentioned like stand up is is nice because it's just you you don't have to rely on other people to necessarily like be there to you know edit to film to do sound to script write to act to do all that but then it is just you like you have to you have to be the marketer you have to be the writer you have to be the like everything yeah yeah and it's um that's an interesting thing to see when you get like, like when you start doing more and more and working with more and more people is realizing what aspects of the business they're really good at right like there are like a, it's almost like a thing in the, in the comedy scene now to talk about tiktok people right like tiktok comedians yeah. who are going on tour and it's like they're they're capitalizing on the market that they've built where like oh i have two million followers on tiktok yeah uh, i'm going to convert that into physical cash by going on tour and stuff like that and selling merch and do, doing all this but then they don't have an hour worth of stand-up material because they're oh they do tiktoks 15 second videos <laughs> how do you yeah how do you that's really not the same medium <laughs> TikTok to like live stand up. Yeah, yeah. And, and like don't get me wrong, there are there are people that pull it off, but there are also people that don't. And, yeah. and like um it's it's just like I said, it's it's interesting to see someone who like maybe their jokes aren't as good, but their stage presence is amazing. Yeah. Or, or like I I definitely know people like that where like I I've seen excellent writers open a show to crickets yeah like and it's like that was such a well-written joke like why aren't you laughing and then uh, 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 another comic comes on and their their joke isn't as well written yeah but they just demand like they command the audience to like 
give them attention, to give them love. Yeah. W- without without like you know demanding it, but like just the audience is immediately it's on board with whatever in. they say. Yeah. And it's like that's amazing. Like if you combine those two guys, that's yeah, the you best have comic like one in the solid comedian. <laughs> that's the best comic in the country. But you know, like um, yeah, so that's an interesting part. Uh, definitely seeing it play out on lineups is is a lot of fun. Where it's like, oh, the crowd is super duper chatty. And, yeah. and like they're just not into the show. They're like, they'd rather be anywhere else. They're 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 there for dinner. They're not there yeah. for comedy. But then one comedian comes on and everyone shuts up. And it's yeah. like it's interesting to see that. It's that like it factor. Yeah. That yeah. it's just like oh I can't help but watch. I tried that one time on uh, on stage a little while ago. Like I went up with purposefully uh, a very long drawn out depressing story that had a terrible punchline at the end um, just to see if I could like capture everybody's attention for the fun of it like um, it was it was like this this story about a, a young girl who was named love and the dad hated the name is a terrible name the mom really wanted it and this girl grows up horribly depressed gets made fun of for a terrible name and i'm like i'm vamping i'm going on about this girl's life through preschool through elementary school through high school it's and she's just getting more and more depressed and then by the end of the joke she she ends up killing herself she shoots herself um in the chest the parents run into the room and the dad kneels down and he says it was a shot to the heart you're to blame you gave love a bad name <laughs> and it's terrible it's not good i'm not going for a laugh but like, i just like it's it's almost like um sadistic of me to like i'm going to draw the audience into this like like seven minute long story about nothing and give them almost zero payoff at the end but I'm sitting there giggling <laughs> some jokes you do for yourself yeah for yeah sure, for sure. Uh, like I definitely have those where it's like the audience is like eh on yeah. this every time and but I just fuck like, you I like this I like I like it so I'm doing it like, yeah yeah oh man yeah I I, I guess I'm like I'm trying to enjoy this early part of my career where if I get to like larger levels, even like your level where like people are starting to know who you are, you have like somewhat like name recognition and they come, I don't want to say like expecting a certain product, but Mm -hmm. they... Like if if somebody's seen you before, oh, they might want to, they might want to hear the mosquito joke again. They might want to hear the lobster joke. Um, so there's like, oh, I'm I'm coming. I'm putting money down. I want to see this. I I'm I'm just like savoring where I'm I'm a complete no name, and I can just do stupid shit like that and get away with it. It's yeah, it's kind of kind of fun. Yeah yeah. Um... I, I do have fun when when I do new stuff or like untested stuff or yeah. like stupid stuff. Like I, I did, I did a show a few weeks ago. It was a it was a ten minute spot, 
at, it was at Better Times Comedy in, in Halifax at Good Robot Brewing. Uh, really, really excellent show. It's kind of like a, it's like a pro-am kind of show where like you have like some really high-level comedians, you have some some newer people, all kind of testing stuff. Yeah. Um, and that makes it interesting. So I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna just do ten new minutes that no one's ever heard before. Um, and then a guy, uh, Nigel Grinstead. I don't know if you. Heard I, of I don't Grinstead. know. He's uh, he writes for this hour's twenty two minutes. Okay. He's from Toronto. He's a, he's a killer. He's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, he went up right before me. And he murdered. Yeah. Oh, you hate he, that. He he was so funny. He, yeah. Like all of his jokes were just so good, so original, and the audience was on board. And I was sitting there about to go next, and I'm just like, oh, do I do ten new <laughs> minutes? Like. Am I going to really follow that up with stupid jokes that I just wrote? Like, yeah. Or should I just go with, like, the tried and true stuff that I know people are going to laugh at? Uh, ultimately, I was like, nah, I'm just going to have fun with it. Like, even if the audience isn't on board, uh, at least they had fun for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they're warm. Yeah. It's a warm audience. That's a, do, you, do you almost... Do you prefer going up like to a to a crowd you have to win over or a crowd that somebody else has like already got going uh, it it depends on the day i suppose I, yeah. I i would say like if we're being very honest about last night i'd say that like Sean Hogan had the crowd really going and yeah. then just everyone kind of shut up for me <laughs> uh so it, it it worked opposite my favor in, yeah. in that regard. But, like, I've also had shows where, like, like I was mentioning where, like, the audience is chatty and not, not paying attention, and then everyone just turns their attention to one comic. Yeah. I've been that comic a lot of the time. Uh, That's cool. Like, it just, like, when I do my opening bit where I introduce myself in a different language, yeah. uh, a lot of people, if, if they're chatting, they're like, Wait, wait, what? What's going on over here? Yeah, he, he's not even speaking English. What's yeah. <laughs> what's going on over here? So they have to listen to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Um. So like I I, I do sometimes enjoy that like, uh, but you definitely want a warm audience. You want you want an audience who's just kind of been with it the whole time. Yeah, and oh, I, I guess that's it. like the Goldilocks. Yeah. Audience really. Yeah. Yeah, it's you want people to just ready to receive you mm-hmm. I don't, and, and then maybe this is just my like masochism like, like oh, I wonder what it would like to just like in the first 30 seconds just like kill the vibe entirely like tell a horrible like inappropriate joke just have everybody hate you and then spend the rest of your time on stage just trying to win them back I that's the way to do it. Yeah. If you're going to do a horrible joke that's going to make everyone hate you, give yourself time to win them back afterwards. <laughs> or don't, <laughs> don't close on it so that everyone just leaves hating you. Yeah. I I don't know. Like, maybe, maybe it's the fact that, like, I have a day job. <laughs> I'm not trying to, like, make money at this yet, necessarily. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like, eh, just see what happens. <laughs> I just want to, like, fuck around and find out. Yeah. 
it's all fun and games until your comedy loses you your day job. That's yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Oh man, that's that's kind of the nice thing about um, working predominantly with uh, military vets is they all have a pretty sick sense of humor. <laughs> they're uh, yeah, they're pretty pretty awesome people. Um, yeah, uh, I. What are we? How are we doing for time? I don't want to keep you too. It's, uh, it's ten after one. I don't know. I can stay for a couple more minutes at least. A couple more minutes, sure. Um, <coughs> if I have any like, yeah, what have you have you um, gotten to work with any big names yet in your career? Big names. Um, I've worked with John Doerr. Okay. Uh, you know John Doerr? He's John Doerr television show. He's been on Conan multiple times. Oh, cool. He, was, he appeared on How I Met Your Mother. Okay. Uh, he, he's kind of done it all for Canadian comic. I've worked with him nice. uh, on a number of occasions. I've worked with... Um, who else? There's like Matt Wright is, yeah. is, a, is a fairly big name. Anyone who's done the Halifax Comedy Festival... Um, there are a lot of big names there. Yeah. That's, I, I, I found out the other day that, um, Jerry Seinfeld is, uh, playing Summerside. Yeah. And pipe dream, but I want to see if I can get him on the podcast. I, like, without any kind of expectation of that app, app, like, actually happening, I... Like, how do I get in touch with his management? <laughs> I, I think that would just be hilarious to have, like, kind of like open micers, open micers, East Coast, maybe somebody with a little bit of a name, somebody going to Jerry Seinfeld, back to like a open micer, open micer. <laughs> yeah. That would be, that'd be, that'd be great. Um, I mean, it's probably not going to happen but I can't expect a it would. there's a chance you like, never like know if you if you reached out to his management or if you reached out to uh, whoever is in charge of the island like whoever is in charge of producing the show here right whoever uh, brought him yeah in. like whatever production company brought him here um, get a hold of them explain that you're uh, PEI kind of comedy media yeah um, and like you'd have to lead with like you there's no way you're sitting down with Jerry Seinfeld for an hour and a half no you'd, no. you'd have to be like I want to do a 10 minute interview with, with him yeah <laughs> well I, I I think I could make it funny where he like I just like ask him some horribly inappropriate question and he gets up and leaves with him being in, in on it of course I don't want to like actually offend the guy but like just like giving him a reason to storm out would just make me laugh so hard <laughs> just for myself but yeah i don't like i don't know maybe i can like use that that pei small town magic to like i i must know somebody who knows somebody who knows who's putting that production on yeah right <laughs> yeah. So, small town magic in pei is a is a real thing like yesterday before my show, um, we went to the Airbnb. We were still too early to check in. Check in was at like three or four, and we're like still fifteen minutes too early. 
So we decided to, uh, we left and we went to Michael's, the arts and crafts store. Yeah. And as we're in Michael's, I, I'm walking down and I stop and I see out of the corner of my eye, Sean Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> I know like three people on this island. Sean Hogan is one of them. He's on the show later that night. Yeah. And we just happened to be in the same arts and crafts store at the same time. And like, I don't know, the odds of that are just like astronomical. Yeah. Where it's like, I, I was telling my girlfriend, I was even like, even if I knew Sean was in this shopping center, <laughs> in one of these stores, the odds of me picking the right store. Yeah. And <laughs> and just being in the right aisle at the yeah. right, that you didn't go this way and he came out that way. <laughs> yeah. Astronomical. It, yeah. So it's like. There's definitely small town vibes here, yeah. Um, but like, I run into that kind of all over the country. Uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty whack. Like, I was on a layover in Ottawa. I was flying to uh, I was flying to BC last summer. I was on a layover in Ottawa overnight. Uh, it was about like I I landed at like 11 p.m. My next flight wasn't until like 7 a.m. Yeah. So I had like eight hours in Ottawa. Funny thing about our nation's capital. The uh, the airport closes at like five p.m. Like huh. there is nowhere to get food in the middle of the night at Ottawa Airport. You would think You'd that think. the capital city's international airport would at least have like a fucking Hudson News <laughs> or something where you could grab some snacks, but there was nothing. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna take the bus into the city. I've got eight hours. I'm probably not gonna sleep. Uh, it's one one in the morning. I get into the city. It's like one thirty. And I'm walking down the street, and I see uh, Jordan Foisey, who is a comic uh, originally from, like, he lives, he's originally from Sault Ste. Marie, but he lives in Toronto, spends time in Halifax, because he writes for, he's the head writer for this hour's 22 minutes. Oh, so, yeah. So I'm walking down the street trying to find some late night food, and right, walks right <laughs> by me, Jordan Foisey. And it was like, I was like, there's no way. He lives in Toronto. Yeah. I know him from Halifax. But we're in Ottawa, so that there's no way that was him. It's just some other white guy that looks like him. That's. But I sent him a message, and I was like, "Are you in Ottawa?" Yeah. And he was like, "Yeah, man." <laughs> and I was like, "I turned around." Yeah. <laughs> to find him. That's um, hilarious. Yeah. So like the the odds of that just like two in the morning in, in Ottawa on on the street just happened to be on the same street in the country. Uh, it, yeah, Canada is the smallest town that is an entire country. second largest country. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's actually my my mom told me a story of like being in Australia and she was on a bus somewhere in the outback and she was talking to somebody like, "Oh, you sound uh sound are you American?" and she's like, "No, I'm Canadian." And they're like, "Oh, yeah, I know. I know somebody from Canada. Maybe you know them." And she's like, "Yeah, I doubt it. It's a pretty big country." And and they were like, "You know, John, whatever, and she's like, from me, it's like yeah, that was his, that was her uncle. <laughs> yeah, I guess I do know. <laughs> yeah, um, do you are you gonna be uh, recording like an album once you're done your tour, like trying to put down that uh, that hour you're doing? Yeah, the idea is to so the show that I'm doing in Sydney on April 14th at the Highland Arts Theater is. Um, it's kind of the hometown show, kind of the homecoming show, and my goal is to record that and put it out as an album. Um, it's in a bigger theater, like it's like a three hundred to four hundred seat theater. Um, so I only want to record it if it sounds good. Yeah. Like if the audience is there, like if there's, if it's less than half full, 
you know, it's not going to sound great in a big room. Right, right? There's going right. to be a lot of echo and empty gotcha. in the recording. So if I can sell that out, then it might be an album. That'd be uh, sick. That, that's, the, that's the goal. Uh, just on Friday night, and we're, we're on Sunday now, I recorded some tracks with Just for Laughs Originals in Halifax. Okay. Uh, it's like 10 minutes. It'll be part of a compilation album of Amazing. Of best, best comics in uh, Nova Scotia. Oh, that's sick. So hopefully that, I mean, I would imagine would bring more eyes to your work and stuff, uh, right? Hopefully. Yeah. That's sick. Well, I'm, I want to be uh, conscientious of your time. You're heading out to, to Moncton today, I think? Uh, no, going back to Cape Breton. Cape Breton. Oh, sick. Okay, right on. All the way home. Fun. And then what do you have? Uh, do you have dates coming up? Um, what are my dates let's, coming up? Let's read them uh, out. I, I, I'm in Moncton on the 29th. Uh, so that is Wednesday, March 29th. I'm in Moncton. And then I'm in Halifax, or I'm in Dartmouth on April 1st at Darkside Comedy Club, an independent comedy club. Uh, so, yeah, Moncton, Darkside. And then I think, and then I think it's uh, Sydney Sid- on April 14th. I, I'm taking Easter weekend off to... It'll be my first weekend in a while. Amazing. That I'm not on the road. Awesome. Um, but yeah, Moncton the 29th, Dartmouth the 1st, and uh, Sydney the 14th. And then and then Halifax Comedy Fest at the end of April. Um, and April 26th in St. John, New Brunswick for CBC Laugh Out Loud at Punchlines Comedy Club. Fantastic. Uh, where can people follow you, find your stuff? Uh, I'm just at Clifton Cremo at, on most things, C-L-I-F-T-O-N-C-R-E-M-O, um, on most social medias. Uh, I've got a Facebook page. I've got a Facebook, like a normal Facebook, if you want to be my friend. Be his uh, friend? It, but like mostly, I think I use Instagram the most, just at Clifton Cremo. I have a Twitter uh I might have tweeted once in 2022. Not yeah, yet. <laughs> I have like four Twitters, and I've never touched any of them. <laughs> yeah, like I, I don't know. I don't know why. It's just one of those. It's it's the social media that I just never got into. Like, you'll see people make tweets, and then it's got like 300,000 retweets. And yeah, it's like, how did you do that? I get excited when I get two. Like two is a lot on that platform for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I. I'm I am so thankful for Russian porn bots because they make up like ninety percent of my follower bases. <laughs> yeah, it makes that number look real nice. I had a I had a like a porn bot uh, follow like add me on Snapchat and like I didn't accept it or anything, but yeah. like if you don't have your privacy settings set up, like people can still send you stuff. Yeah, and. Uh, it was like sending me like the like random porn stuff, like subscribe to this OnlyFans yeah. or whatever. And I was like, this is a nice pick me up, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like free free porn. Right know? on. <laughs> <laughs> Just randomly on my phone. Amazing. Yeah. I, I got rid of it because it was too much free porn. Like it, there is such thing as too much of a good thing. There's a balance you yeah. have to keep in your life. <laughs> Like just, I, just because I haven't blocked you yet, mean doesn't mean I'm not going to. Like just settle out. Give me one a day. Yeah. One, one snap a day. Like like uh, the the page three girls in English or in uh, not English in um, London newspapers, they have uh, like London um, 
England. That's the one. English. On, yeah, L- London English. They have on page three, like, topless model photos in the morning newspaper. Is it is that all it is, or are they, like, call girls advertising? No, it's... It's it's just a, a like a one page spread of like a different model every day, no contact information. No, just here you go, tip your cap, enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. That's that's lovely. Yeah, <laughs> I think we should implement some some more of that over here. I think yeah, more than just the king, we should we should uh, we should have page two girls on our money. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I, I don't want to keep you. I know you got a long drive back to Cape Breton, but I appreciate you coming in. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Yeah. This was fun. Awesome. I'm, I'm glad. Um, so this has been East Coast Laugh Styles, uh, sponsored by Red Island Cider. Um, Clifton Cremo, thank you for coming in. Check out his stuff. He's still got a few more dates. Um, I saw him last night. Very funny comedian. Uh, check him out. He's doing lots of good things.